Right. So it's the second episode of the Upfront and Unfiltered podcast here. We've made it back for another week. Um, seems as everyone liked the first one so much and the feedback was decent. This week, I'm joined by a man who is known in the northern football circles. He's been up there for pretty much all his life, it seems. Um, it's Ramsey, well, now Ramsey chairman, Jonathan Lease, probably known better as other, to other people as Jogger. Um, Jonathan, how are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks for... Well, you didn't invite me on. I forced myself upon you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You sent me a message and said, I need to come on. No, it wasn't It wasn't quite that yeah. bad, mate. But yeah, you're here. Yeah. No, all's good. Yeah, I've been involved in footy for, for years since a kid. Started off at Laxey when we lived in Laxey and when we moved to Ramsey. It was mostly Ramsey all the way. Yeah, so let's roll it back, okay, to the very beginning. You've gone full circle in Manx football. So you've you've gone from junior ranks, you've gone through all the way through football. You've played yeah. junior level, senior level, done a bit of coaching, bit of management, now a chairman. And you're also through work as a businessman now giving back to Manx football as well. So let's go back to the start, the very start, the laxy days. What got you into football in the first place? Well, my old man. My old man played all of his days at um, at Laxey. Uh, we lived in Laxey. He lived in Laxey on Menorca, Menorca Hill. And even his father was a committee member at Laxey. So I'd, I, he's quite sketchy on whether his old man played for Laxey because, unfortunately, his, his father died when he was um, 15 or 16. So uh, he, he remembers him on the committee and, and stuff. But, um, yeah, they were Laxey through and through. Um Papa Kinnish, Peter Kinnish used to throw us in the back of a van and take us to Onken Youth Centre. I don't think um, you can say that these days, mate. I think, I think something <laughs> might happen now if you mention that. Um, I, I know, I was only saying this last week. <clears throat> you, you wouldn't do it nowadays because with health and safety, you've got to have seatbelts in the back. But there used to be a hell of a load of us in the back of a of a Ford van. Go to Onken, they'd throw us out. Um, and uh, yeah, and even like, my nana lived in Laxey for years, so even after we left when I was about seven, we we'd go back and I'd be playing football in the street with the likes of Johnny Callow and Paul Callow because they just lived across the road back then, and um, uh, John, um, oh God, from up the road, another good Laxey player. Um, and then when my dad was playing, I'd be playing footy after the game with John Palmer and Nigel Beatty because their dads were playing. So yeah, it's, it's been. Football's been fantastic, like to make friends and kind of, you know, make make good uh good kind of friends for life, you know, banter carries on forever. That's what's kept me in the game. And then played all my junior days through to senior at Ramsey. Um got a bit frustrated when I was about 20, 25, 26, and decided to leave Ramsey and go and play. Well, I was actually going to play for Peel because a lot of the lads in the island team were my age, were at Peel, like Sir Andy Morrison and Phil Mayers was there then, Chris Kane, um, all good players. So I was I was actually going to go there, but my dad convinced me to go back to Laxey because it was his team. I've got real connections there, but I felt really guilty about going back because they just won the Grand Slam and it just looked like I was trophy hunting. Well, conveniently, conveniently, probably what you don't realise is we didn't advertise this week that you were coming on as a guest. Right. But I've managed to speak to a couple of my mates up north and I've yeah. got a couple of questions from people and I'll ask you throughout the podcast. 
But yeah. one of them is here straight away. And it's from one of your committee members just on that subject, Liam Mazzoni. <clears throat> he literally says to me, did you go laxy to go glory hunting? <laughs> uh, no, for all of the reasons described, like I played there at juniors. My dad played all his days. Even the committee members were still my dad's friends. Um, I knew a few people there. The Callows were were still there, Paul and Paul and what have you, Paul and uh, Johnny. Um, and like, it was a, it was a hard decision to leave Ramsey. I didn't want to leave, but I thought we were being held back a bit, and I didn't agree with a few of the things we were doing. So you either put up and shut up, or or move on and and go. The year before, Alan Harrison, Harry left us and won the Grand Slam. He was a He's a great player and played played for years and years at Ramsey. Um, and I suppose it just made sense to go to Lexi. And it, it certainly wasn't. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it wasn't just to go pot hunting. Although I didn't break into the first team, I knew it was going to be a tall order anyway. I think I only played five games but in the first team. But that combi was so strong, I'd say, you know, Three quarters of that team could have got in Ramsey's first team at that time. And yes, we won the Combi one. I think I won the Charity Shield that year. Um, and I played up to um the later stages of the um the hospital cup, but I had to go away with work. So I missed the I think it was the semi, or was it the yeah, the final? It was the final. So it wasn't for pot hunting, it was literally frustration. So I know who that is, little shit stirrer Liam Liam Mazzoni a little turd he knows how to press the buttons yeah I knew, I knew that one would touch a it's touch a nerve <laughs> but he, um, he he asked me to ask it so I thought well <laughs> you're on the subject we might as well get there so we've gone through that and we've gone through you know your time you've gone through to Laxey you've then thought you know what I'm going back up north I'm going back to Ramsey what what makes that decision for you well there'd been managerial changes so um I can't remember who who came in at that point. It might have been Colin Skillicorn, or it might have been Brian Carney. I can't, I can't remember. It was if it wasn't that one because I played two seasons at Laxey. That one season, then about three seasons later, I I had another season there. So, um, yeah, it, it was just a change, and I thought I felt like a fraud actually because <laughs> we won the FA Cup at Ramsey in two thousand and four. And we worked so hard as a team and a squad for years and years and years. We all got older together and we stuck together. And then we stalled after that, went and won a couple of things at Laxey. And I felt like a fraud because I hadn't put the hard work in there. I'd done it at Ramsey and I felt like I, I don't know, a sense of responsibility, I suppose, to to go back. And, and all my mates who I'd played with were still there. It's one of them, isn't it? And, you know, I think that's quite common in Manx football. I think there's a lot of people that will go away and try and challenge themselves and they'll go elsewhere because they don't feel what's happening at that club's pushing them enough or, or giving them what they need. And they've spoke to someone else somewhere and they'll go, oh, yeah, I'll just come to you for a season. I'll see how it goes or whatever. I think what you're saying there is you've gone and you've, you've gone and won something, but do you feel that you were being challenged enough at Ramsey? Probably not. And then someone else has come in now and you're going, actually, yes, that could be another challenge. I'll go back up there. And you were you weren't you didn't leave on bad terms, did you? 
No, not at all. And and actually, there was one comment that galvanised it because I said to the boy, they'd known for probably a year that I was frustrated about what where we were going or not going. I said, and and I was nowhere near a, a, a good player for Ramsey's team at all. I was a very average player, but um, I, I, there was one one person said something to me which was. Um, oh my God, you're going to be sh- shit down at Laxey with all of their good players. And I said, I'd rather be the weakest player in a strong team than the strongest player in a weak team. And that, you know, showed the mindset of what I was thinking at the time. I, d- <laughs> I, d- I don't want to be worshipped. I want to be the best player I can be. Yeah, and and it, it, you've done it for a personal reason. You've not got a grudge yeah. against the club or a grudge no. against anyone. You've just done it to better yourself, and, and that's what happened. So you've gone there, you've come back, you've gone again, and then you've come back to to Ramsey. Yeah. Um, and since then, you've been at Ramsey, you know, ever since. Yeah. Um, well, no, not not really. I I finished when I was thirty five. I played my last season at thirty five, and I said, you know what, I've I've done twenty senior se- seasons because when I started, you could start at fourteen. I've done twenty senior seasons. And it wasn't because I was injured or unfit. It was because none of my mates were playing anymore. And <clears throat> I was playing combi football at that point. And then I was playing, I was going to say, I'm playing with 16-year-olds again. Got to be careful. Yeah, got to be careful on that saying. one. You know, like, <laughs> he, he means playing football, just to clarify that, just so <laughs> I don't get any inspections or the FA. We're all safeguarding. It's all fine here. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I did my safeguarding on Sunday, so it's all fine. Um, so I'm up to date on that. But but playing with lads who, because they're still in the junior setup, they don't train with the seniors. So you're playing with strangers on a Saturday, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. And do you know, whether you like it or not, um, back in the day, 16, 17, 18-year-olds used to go out drinking with the with the older lads, with the senior lads. So... That just doesn't happen in this day and age. Um, not allowed to happen, is it? It's it's one no. of them. It's it's not allowed to happen. But I know where you're coming from. Even even when I was younger, it was 14, 15, You were able to train with them, and then from sort of sixteen onwards, when you were your own person as such, and you had yeah. a bit of freedom. You know, your mum and dad weren't dropping you at training every week. You weren't getting dropped off. The lads were encouraging you after the game to go back to the yeah. pub with them. Yeah, Yet you might. You might not have been legal enough to have a pint, but there'd be a pint on the table for you after a game and things yeah. like that. Well, and and do you know what? I think I think unfortunately that was that's how you you learn to drink because the older lads would say, you know, you've had enough now or take it easy or whatever. And there'd be a hierarchy in 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 the football because there'd be two or three different age groups of lads across the across the piece and They'd look after you and and call you into Rick, which uh, it doesn't it doesn't happen anymore actually because there's less older lads playing. And there's also, I think, a lot of the younger lads now as well. They've got other pro- other priorities away from football. Like football used to be yeah. massive for everyone on a Saturday. Yeah. Now them lads, like they'll go in the changing room after the game. They won't even take the kit off. They'll take the kit home and get ch- <laughs> go home and get changed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's literally, yeah. they don't even get changed anymore. It's all right. I'm done now. Grab my bag. I'm going home. I've got go and play FIFA or something. You know, it, it that has, it, the world has changed that way. And that's where it's going, isn't it? It's, it, it has. And, and even when I was going into football, another thing that sounds so dodgy is when you're 14, 15, 16, the older lads are going, come on then get your willy out. Let's see it in the shower. Do you know, like, 
it was just it was all banter and it was all you know genuine it sounds dodgy to people who are outside of football but it, it's just the way it is and it was yeah that's that's back in the day and that, that's what it was back in the day back in the um, day how old are you yeah well i'm only what am i 32 right um, okay. and it, i'm 43 been, but even back even back when i was young mate when I, when I was 14 you could still play at 14 15 when i was coming through that i think yeah. that change has come in the last 10 years don't get me wrong safeguarding is a wonderful thing and it, it had to come in you know, for yeah. everything that's come across. But we're talking about the past here. Like, I need to make that clear to anyone that's listening. We're not talking about modern day football. This yeah. was the norm back in the day. And this is how people, even I was told stories before I was coming through. This is what happens. And, and this is what was happening. You know, yeah. the world's changed. The world's a different place now. And we get that. Yeah. But yeah, that's what's happened. So we'll move on from, from that area. And then we'll talk about your sort of, you're coming to the end of your playing days. So you've played 20 years and you think, I've had enough now. What's going through your head at that point? Well, it was just in the off seasons, I always used to run the way I got my nickname is Jogger. My name is Jonathan. So that like, I always used to enjoy running throughout playing football and in the, in the off season as well. Um, but I, I did a, I took up mountain biking years before that to keep fit over the summer, and I just did more and more of that. And I just I did the end to end mountain bike race, and um, uh, there was a flyer in there for the first ever Granite Man down at um, down south in the reservoir there. Oh, was that Kringle, wasn't it? Yeah, at Kringle. So I did that, and I, I took I don't know I think I trained three times a week for six or seven weeks because it was that it was that far away um to to swim 400 meters and I wasn't a strong swimmer by any stretch but I did that and I thought bloody hell that was good because it was the first time I'd been challenged in a long long time like and thought Do you know what like um it's just a totally new challenge and you know it it, it took me off on a triathlon uh, direction for about four or five years yeah that's and we're talking about you just mentioned there like during the summer breaks that's what you used to do you know you used to go off training used to do your mountain biking and stuff mm. um brings me on to another question really probably about summer breaks um from a big ramsey man himself mr mark slinger so you can imagine what this question's probably going to be he says what is your most memorable moment from the old lanzarote trips <laughs> oh days so there was quite there was i think there was four lanzarote trips but they merged into one and these were started by um dave perry the manager and coach uh early on and the first one was in 2004 uh just before we won the fa cup it was about four weeks before we won the fa cup and i honestly believe what you know the the camaraderie we built there actually helped us win the fa cup that year but there's so many stories. There are so many stories. One of my favourites is um, uh, my, my mate Junior. So Junior is uh, Stephen Kelly. He's he's my age, and he did quite a bit of managing at Combi level, and he played up until his I don't know he's about twenty four. But um, it was one where I'd had a few too many the night before. We went out the night after. I was feeling it, so I went home early-ish, like midnight. Junior, my mate who was rooming with me, comes home at about half one, two in the morning. 
and he's making a right royal racket. And I said, come on, Junior, just get to bed, will you? He goes, hold your horses, hold your horses. He's got this bag, right? And he's got a five-litre bottle of water. Um, and uh, I said, what have you got in there? He goes, I've got a tin of Dorada. I said, you don't need any more ale, Junior. You're, you're drunk as you are. He goes, but I've got my egg sandwich here. I said, go and eat it out there, will you? I'm not listening to you chomp on it like a fucking horse. So Junior goes, uh, keep your hair on, because I was balding back then. Keep your hair on. I said, fuck off, Junior. He's, anyway, he starts eating this egg sandwich, the loudest you've ever heard in your life. Anyway, he's halfway through. I said, just have a drink of water, will you? Because that's gonna that's going down dry. Anyway, he gets this five liter bottle of water, and you know, you know those. Oh huge yeah, yeah, the big, the, the, the big, the big like gallon ones, like you, you yeah. see. Yeah. Oh, huge. He's on the end of the bed. He starts drinking it right, and he falls back on himself, and he's starting to splutter and whatever, and. I couldn't believe he's like drowning in a five litre bottle of water, like oh, no. coughing and spluttering. Right. And I leant over from my bed and I hit it out of his hand and the water goes everywhere. And he goes, Oh, thank fuck for that joggy. You saved me. I was drowning. I said, are you joking? You had hold of the damn thing. If you'd have let go, you would have dropped it. Anyway, he finishes his, um, he finishes his egg sandwich, which took him, took him forever. Anyway, wake wake up the next morning, ten or eleven o'clock, and he goes to me. Yeah, he goes. Yeah. No, the first noise he made was like, "Oh God!" I said what? He goes, oh, my head, and I've pissed myself. And I said, "Junior, you haven't pissed yourself. You nearly drowned in a five litre bottle of water last night." <laughs> oh God! Sounds like a, a little eventful trip. That sounds. You know. I've got loads. Junior, I've got loads. I'm, I, I'd keep you here all night, and I've got to get to football training tonight. Oh, so mate, I would. I, I would have had them off. I would have told the lads to piss himself. <laughs> Just keep them going. You know. Oh, I, like... Do you know? I think I did actually. I only. Uh, um, yeah. I, three I think, three uh... years later, in an FA Cup, FA Cup with his medal, <laughs> and they all found out he didn't actually piss himself. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's all good. That's all good. So. You've done that, you know. You've you've done your triathlons. You you've done your granite man and stuff. After that, when do you come back into Manx football? What what brings you back into it? Injury, actually, I couldn't shake a calf injury. So um, uh, I was helping Adam Hudgen get I listen up and running because um, my background, my work background, although I'm a part owner of Plum Properties, my background is company and trust service provider. So um regulatory compliance for all of you nerds but um uh yeah so he was struggling getting bank accounts open and all of the paperwork so i said i'd lend him a hand because i played football with his old man when his old man came back to ramsey yeah so i i lent him a hand to get that going and he we we were in touch through that and periodically and and then he goes well why don't you get back involved coaching i went Nah, I'd be too frustrated. It's such a pain in the art. And I, do you know what? He sweet talked me round. Um, oh, he does. He's, he's persistent, Hodgie, isn't he? Like he's he he's is persistent. annoyingly so. And and sometimes to the detriment of yourself because you go, I wish I hadn't have agreed to that. But <laughs> I went back, and I, I probably lasted about a year. And I, I just it was two reasons I struggled with frustration. One, I thought I can do better than them. 
and they weren't fit. They weren't fit at all. The new generation aren't fit, most of them. They've got six-pack and pecs, but they can't beat me in a mile run. Um, and, and, and the other frustration was they, they, they knew it all. They, they're uncoachable, quite a, quite a few of them back then. It's, they're, they're a lot better now. They've, and the uh, culture's a lot better. Yeah, do you think that's come from... Do you think that comes from the sort of... I, I don't really know how... Like a social media generation as such, like, yeah, and you mentioned the fitness set. Is it aesthetics that the boys are looking for and they're yeah. doing the fitness that way? Whereas I, football I, fitness I, is, is completely different, isn't it? Oh, you, you can have six-pack compex and still be unfit. Um, you might look good. I like, do you know, I, 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 yeah, it's probably the Instagram generation, isn't it? You know, I want to look good. I, I'm not bothered about being good. I'm more bothered about looking good, uh, because being good takes hours, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours of practice. Um, actually being uh, like, uh, like looking good. Well, you can just kind of paint the facade and hope that no one notices. Yeah, and they they can sort of try and get away with that a little yeah. bit and, and hide behind it and hope that it's going to get them through. But as you say, a football and fitness is a is a different thing again, isn't it? It's you know that it's not about being able to run constantly for ninety minutes. It's about having the energy for ninety minutes and yeah. that change of pace, that ability to adapt to it. But but even like decision making, when you're fitter, you will make better decisions. So. You know, in the 85th minute, like that run that you could have made, you don't make, that might have won you the game. Um, or that lapse of concentration where your you, lack of oxygen in your brain makes you, you know, make the wrong choice, make a rash decision, fly into a tackle, give a pen away, whatever it is. So our fitness is 90, 95% of it. And, and by adulthood, you're not really going to acquire that much more skill. Like, actual personal skill you might be able to read the game slightly better and you might understand the nuances of uh systems that other people play but yeah it's it's difficult so you know i i kind of ended up coaching my son's because my son came into football later he's only 13 now so he came up he only really started at eight eight and a half and then he went to laxi to start with uh and then was that just because Ramsey didn't have a junior set up at that age or? No. Well, Ram- that was part of it, but I, I wouldn't want to coach my own son straight away anyway, because I just wanted him to enjoy it. Like, um, Basically, I you did... didn't want to have him around the table on a Sunday for roast dinner and be going, you're crap this morning. <laughs> yeah, and, and giving him pointers. Is that what it was? Well, no, I, I just wanted him to get into a sport because I said, you are going to do a sport, son. I don't care what it is, yeah. but you will do a sport. Um, and he wasn't re- we kick about in the garden, but no, it, I gave him the choice of going to a team where any of his mates are. And I, I, that was a stupid decision because his, one of his mates then, Liam, played at Laxey. So Laxey training Douglas and what a pain in the ass that is going up on a Saturday morning. But then over time, like he played in that. Do you remember the Millennium Trophy or Millennium? Yeah, what well, the the, the, well, the schools used to do, wasn't it? And yeah. Like, if I remember rightly, it used to be at Arbury School, and then they finally moved it to Union Mills. Yes, that's the one. It's yeah, Union Mills now. And back in my day, it was. It used to be held at Peel Cloth Workers because they had quite a few pitches up there. Yeah. But um, yeah. So he played with his mates that he went to school with in the Millennium, and then he goes, "Well, 
why don't I just go to Uthi and his mate Liam uh, followed him as well. So uh, Ramsey didn't have a, a setup, so I ended up helping out there, and now now I'm a coach there. So at Uthi, oh. so I've I've got two hats on: coach at Uthi and chairman at Ramsey. That's no conflict of interest at all up north. <laughs> no, 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 nothing at all. So we'll go from that. So you went, obviously, your son got into playing, and you got into your coaching then. Yeah. Um, and you got co- you were coaching with the adults. It was frustrating. What makes yeah. you then? I think the best way to put it is, in, and they'd say it probably in the UK a lot, is, is go upstairs. What what takes you away from the sideline and, and, and drags you upstairs? A couple of things, really. Like, Ramsey Football Club has had an embarrassment of riches in two different respects. One, a very, very strong committee for a number of years. Uh, and two, we've got a fantastic ground and stadium there. But the problem with the aforementioned, which is the committee is players just turn up play football and go home it's not their club it's the committee's club because they do everything around the club decorate it do whatever that you need to do and I noticed this when I was playing 20 years ago that people weren't invested in the club because it was a club that they just turned up and played football at and there was three three years ago I remember sitting down thinking if I'm going to be chairman of this club because the chairman at the time, Brian Kelly, said you'd be the right man to do it because uh, he didn't have enough time to do it anymore. And um, I, I said, what am I going to, what am I setting out to achieve? Well, what I want is for the players to actually believe it's their club and they can do what they want with it um, within reason. Um, and that will stop the second thing that I hate about Northern football is the northern merry-go-round? Oh, where it's it's massive, isn't it? One, one to another club, and um, it's just so annoying because it's like even things like when when a club goes down, some people of the northern clubs, people go, "I'm going to go and be a second division hero," and I just think, "Oh my god, is that really the type of player that we want?" So I wanted people invested in the club, and and you know, like. We lost a lot of experience off the committee all in one go, like three stalwarts of the committee left, um, which left with a lot of knowledge. But what it has done and what it, it certainly this season is, when the lads have to mark the pitch themselves, when the lads have to get involved in the upkeep, it's all of a sudden their club and they care now. They care more. Yeah. Um, and... Do you know if the I'm not, I don't like blowing smoke up my own ass, but we've come a long way in in three years that I've been chairman um, in making it their club, and it's taken a long, long time and a lot of building of momentum. But now you're seeing the effect of it. I know we spoke before quickly. You're seeing the effect of it now, where the expectation isn't just you play football for Ramsey. Ramsey's your club. You come and socialise there, you come and have a drink, you get involved, and it's more than just playing football. And like, it's a weird scenario, isn't it? That you've got such an embarrassment of riches of a committee that do everything cleaning the kit, putting the, the corner flags out, marking the pitch, cutting the pitch, um, seeding it over the summer. Like, you'd think it would be counterintuitive, like, to. Uh, to do the opposite and say, no, no, let's not do away with those people, but phase those guys out 
and make sure that these we have the next generation people yeah. who are involved in the course. they can they can learn from the previous people and come yeah. in and, and do what then people are already doing and do it to the standard that then people are already doing it i yeah. get that but from the outside looking in I'm, I'm only speaking from the outside looking in here from from your club um it seems like the club a bit more close knit now as well and, and a lot more sociable as well I think yeah. you've, you've always had that social side up north. You know, Rams have yeah. always been a big, a big. No, I wouldn't say a drinking club, but they've been. They've always been a social club. Everyone's always gone out together. You know, you always do Christmas fancy dress. You always go out and about. Yeah. You always do them things. I think now we're seeing the other side of that. Whereas a lot of stuff would be external. Now you're doing it up the clubhouse. You're doing it. Yeah. You know, I think it was a quiz night the other week. You had yeah. your your summer camps for the kids, even. Things like that, where you're giving out for the club, but the community are getting involved as well now. Yeah, absolutely. We are part of the community. And I think um, there's a lot of people who... I remember my mum saying to me when I was younger, in the Isle of Man, you better be kind to everyone because you don't know who your future employer is, uh, your future mother-in-law is, father-in-law. So you should conduct yourself in a fashion that you'd be proud of because that you might not I'll know your parents so I think uh, I, I, the next generation asked that so be, it will come and bite you in the ass at some point sometimes you won't even know it's bitten in the ass because you won't get the interview or you won't get the whatever because uh, of something that you did five years ago so uh, that community thing is is definitely uh got better and um you know uh, the social thing has always been good um the one thing that really annoyed me when i first got back involved with the club was we had a com was he a committee member no he wasn't then and he said oh ramsey but he didn't know that i'd played for ramsey for years and years and he goes Ramsey are a drinking club with a football problem. And I just got back involved in the club. And I said, I don't think there's a football problem, mate. There is not a football problem. There might be a drinking problem. Because they were they were unfit and unfocused, really. But that that is that's changed a hell of a lot. But it's taken a long, long time to, well, I think, to I get think there. You, but we're on a good path. Yeah, I think that's evident, isn't it? You know, you, you've qualified for the Railway Cup this year. Yeah. Um, and I think that very nicely segues into the last bit of your Manx football and story, doesn't it? Um, because you've gone full circle and now as a businessman, as a as a director at Plum Properties, you've now had the opportunity to give it give back into Manx football and sponsor a competition. Yeah. Um and, and it's come round like that. How does how does that opportunity come about and how do you I, I'm probably away from football, how do you as a business person step aside from the football and think, how can I, how do I get involved? Do I want to get involved in that? Oh, the, the problem is I want to get involved in everything. And there's only so much time in the day, but um, there was a couple of things come to uh, like, it's as if the stars aligned, which was um, Lewis Qualtro, who used to play for Ramsey. Um, he's, he still lives up in Ramsey. He started our under, is it under fives or under sixes? It's his son's age group. Yeah. He says, can I get that going at Ramsey? He said, of course, I'll bite your hand off. Um, uh, and then he saw what 
we were doing because it's changed significantly since he was at the club. You know, we had conversations and what have you. I, I said, you know, I, I'm trying to make a big change here for the better. And he says, you have made a change already. I've seen some of the players down here forking the pitch on a Saturday morning when we're training on here, marking the pitch out. Someone come to fit some different uh, lights in. He says, the change has happened already. So, you know, you shouldn't do yourself down. But then it was him who said, oh, we're looking for a sponsor for Railway Cup. Why don't, why don't you get involved? So, you know, it's always a quid pro quo, isn't it? Like, He's doing Ramsey a magnificent favour by bringing juniors back because let's it's let's not beat around the bush. We haven't got a great junior setup. We've had one or two teams <coughs> come through for the last few years, but it hasn't been great. And we need to start that conveyor belt again. And he's started that conveyor belt. Um, uh, and my son helps him coach actually. So you know. It's a little bit of I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I would love, I would absolutely love, I'm praying that I hand the Railway Cup to a Ramsey captain. How fantastic would that be? It, it, it's one for you, isn't it? But the question <laughs> is, is what do you turn up and do you turn up in your work jacket or do you turn <laughs> up in your Ramsey jacket for that? Um I, w- I was thinking about this. Well, first, we've we pretty much all but qualified, which is a, a good thing. Or have we, Matt? You qualified last qualified. weekend, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. okay. it's now Air, Peel and yourselves that have all qualified. And it's between Corinthians and St. Mary's who can go through or who can qualify as well. Have St. Um, Mary's got to get one point? St. Mary's play Air on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and if they, I think if they win that, that'll get them into it. But Corinthians have got two games to play, and one of them is the postponed fixture against Air. Yeah. So Air okay. have got a big say, and let's be honest, they're not going to do you boys any favours, are they? No. I mean, I think Air are the strongest team in the league this year. Um, I don't think they've got many weak spots in that first team. I suppose the the mind you, they they haven't got as big a squad as us, but they've looked been lucky in terms of injuries so far this year. Um, we've got a massive squad. I mean, we've got, uh, I don't, on the best weekend so far this season, we've had seven missing from both teams. And so through had, injury yeah. or suspension, if we ever get a run of everyone available, it will be, we could be top of the league. Well, that's it. I was, I was looking at it and I think you're well over 50 players registered as well with the club. And mm. that's a club that don't have a vets team as well. You know, yep. there's a lot of people that go through the Manx leagues and they look at these things and, and you look at clubs, 60, 70 players registered, but that's a first team of Combiana vets in yeah. senior football. Ramsey don't have that. And I think that's a credit to you that you've got so many players signed on and that so many people are sort of willing to still play for you, even knowing they might not play every week. I think that that that's a credit to the club, and, and that's what you've got going for you at the moment. Well, we we've got a we had a debate at the last committee meeting. I'm I'm still trying to play. Well, I did my ankle two and a half weeks ago down at St John's, just walking on the pitch uh, when I was playing. So, you know, I still want to play. I still think I can add um, 
to some of the younger players coming through. And you've got Mark Slinger, who's in his mid to late thirties, who can who can bring a bit of stability. But those players, Rob Collister is another one. He's a year, year younger than me, so he's he's our treasurer. Well, they can add something to those teams, but those players are also can like pick up injuries. So, um, you know, there's been plenty of rotation, and we've got under 16s turning 16, who I think four or five of them are in the island team. So, you know, we've got a steady stream of lads turning 16 this year. So, there's going to be upward pressure, and if if you can't handle the pressure, well, you've got two choices, haven't you? You either knuckle down and prove your point, which is good for Ramsey Football Club and good for you as a player, uh, or you go, I'm going to go on the Northern merry-go-round and take an easier Yeah, it's, a, it, it's one of them things. Oh, it's coming to that time, isn't it, um, with Manx football as well. You've got to make that decision for this season shortly if you've not been to another club. I think yep. it's, is it the 31st of December, that, that yeah, window shuts, so. doesn't it? Yeah. You know, for me, there's there's a lot of big advocates for that. I'm I'm all for a summer transfer window myself, but I I do see why it's being extended and, and things like that as well. So it it's a difficult one, but at the same time, then people will know by that time if they need to go, won't they? So mm. it, it's one of them. So what we'll do is that's that's great. That's that's you. You've summed up your football and history. So we'll move on. Okay. And my next question is to you is. Manx football as a whole at the moment, some fantastic things, some awful things. What for you at the moment is the most positive thing in Manx football? Oh, uh, the most positive thing. Well, I know this is going to be controversial. <coughs> FC Man, because from my club's perspective, it's made the league way more competitive. So there's four or five teams who could win the league uh, yeah. this year. Um, I think it's going to be air, as I mentioned before. But what it does is it's going to stop um, domination of the Manx leagues. So if you if take Ramsey as an example, if we start getting putting a, a string of results together and our players are playing top-notch, there's like a pressure relief release valve at the top, so they'll take a couple or three of your best players, and we're back down to the level of of the other clubs. Um, I think so... it's fair to say with that with Ramsey. I think it's quite evident um, for me with FC Alaman and Ramsey. Charlie Higgins is a prime example. If Charlie's with FC Alaman, Ramsey is scoring quite freely, yeah. and their style of football is completely different. Then when Charlie has been then performed for Ramsey and FC Alaman have taken him, their yeah. style of football changes completely. I, I actually think Charlie's come on a lot this season. And I'm not am I saying it's because of Ramsey? I'm saying it's because he's playing at a lower level where he's got a bit more time. And although, you know, you uh, may come across as a confident fella, sometimes you just need a bit of time to breathe and bring his skill into the game. And he's he's bagged. He bagged ten and four for us, so you know he does. He does change the dynamic of the team uh, for Ramsey, but we're certainly not reliant on him. I think I heard uh, the other podcast say, you know, without them, without him, they're rubbish. But we keep winning without him. I, so. I, I don't. I don't think you're rubbish. 
Um, you, you know, the league the league has proven where you are for a reason. But I do think you change your style of play with, when he's not involved. And I think that's a fair comment. I don't, I, but that's a positive thing for me because you're adapting your style of play to the players you've got. Yeah, like Hutchie has some clear ideas on the way he wants to play. I don't always agree with him. That's why you know, we, we that's what makes football, football, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I th- yeah, I think that's the most positive uh, thing. So, so um, on the flip side of that, then, Manx football at the moment, what to you do you find negative about it at the moment? I mean, I think referees is a too, too easier. It's a cop-out, isn't it, to, it to is, go on it, about referees? It's... It is, because I think if you're blaming referees, you need to take a look at yourself. Um, but it doesn't help that there's hardly any of them. But having been to a meeting, it was about disciplinary process, actually. I'm really heartened by what's going on. And in, in the junior leagues, in the under-14s, we've had a couple of trainee referees who are like current players. They were in their 20s and they were both good referees. Do you know what I mean? Not yeah. polished, but making the right decisions. They're close enough to play. Um, you know all the hand gestures and the rules. Yeah, they're, they're cutting their the teeth down there. You know, that you, yeah. you're not down there, you're not expecting perfection. But yeah. you can see the the possibilities that are in them, the, the opportunities that are there for them, people to develop into good referees. Yeah. And, and do you know, I think the the thing has gone stale. Oh. Okay. So, sorry, someone okay. came into the office there. Um, yeah, I think um, uh, I've kind of lost my thread there. But um, when, when we, um, the older generation, older than me, say that, uh, the standard of football was really poor. I think, I think it's created more opportunities for youngsters to get into the game uh, and to cut their teeth into a game. Um, and we've got to adapt as clubs. And I think the league has gone stale. Um, and this proposal of the four divisions, I think they've got to do something. And I think. The proposal, in theory, is a good one. I think they've they, there's a few things that they need to iron out in terms of promotion, relegation, and stuff yeah, like that. It's but... it's it's a proposal at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's not a definite thing, is it? It's a proposal. No. You know, I was quite fortunate enough when this was first muted between people at the FA. Um, I was contacted by Tony Tony Meppham, and he just asked me. He said, "On our platform, would I put it out there just to get a reaction? <laughs> yeah, just to see yeah. what people." Before it was discussed, just just a general reaction from everyone in Manx football, and I think yeah. it was positive. I do think throughout Manx football there is there's a desire for change. There's yeah. only twenty. Well, there's there's twenty six clubs that can make that decision, but I think if the right people from the clubs mention it to the right people at the clubs, that change can happen. It's just when it happens and how it happens. The the big problem, the biggest problem with that format is. Tony's Tony's the secretary fixture. Tony will have an absolute nightmare. Right now, it's easy. You've got a first-team yeah. combi. They play home and away against the same team. That is going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it's one of them. It's one of them. So what we'll do is we'll move on. I'm not yeah. here to go through every game this weekend. There's one game I want to talk about. It's Ramsey yeah. Moran. Okay? Yeah. So you guys yeah. are playing around this weekend. What do you expect from it? I know... 
around towards the bottom of the league has struggled a bit. They've had a, a good win the other week against Royals, but I, I personally expect you guys to go out and win this one quite comfortably. Well, I hope so, but um, it would be a nice way to to finish, well, nearly finish the first half of the season. Or would that be finished? No, that, that is, that that is your finished. last game of the first half of the season. Um, be a good way, but we have always struggled against Moran. Are we home or away? I can't remember. User at home. First That's team better. at home, combi away. Better, because um, there was it. It was I think it was last season. We we drew down there one all, and it was one of the most frustrating games I've ever seen. Um, they were really good at frustrating us. They were quite good at the back, really organised. Uh, they had a long throw as well down at their place, um, which caused us no end of bother. Um, and and actually, our season started going really struggling after that one all i think that was about november or october november we really struggled after that so i i don't want to denigrate any team because um it doesn't matter how good or bad you are in this league it depends how you set up so if if they set up defensively we're going to struggle to break break them down we 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 haven't played teams that have set up super yeah. defensively yet so I don't know. If I was to call it, I'd like to think we're, we'll we'll score probably three. And we're always a bit leaky at the back, so we'll probably let one in as well. So I'll go that, three-one. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair prediction. I think that's a, a fair prediction, but it's another three points, hopefully, for you. Fingers crossed, um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. So we'll move on now, okay? And this is a big one. This is the one that I did warn you about when we had a little chat. It's your select seven. So it's your ultimate seven-a-side Manx 40 team. Okay, so with this one, everyone should know the format from the first one. If you're still listening to this, then you're doing well. Um, it's three current players, okay, three former players, any goalkeeper from any era that you want to choose, and someone who's going to manage that team for you. So we'll start off with the goalkeeper. Ooh, well, you didn't say whether the goalkeeper had to be current or past did you so nope, I'm, I'm, stuck be between, I'm stuck between three there's Andy Perry uh, Gary Scott and James Rice so obviously James Rice is our current keeper and I've never seen a keeper ever in Manx football that can start launching attack from the floor like James Rice can um, Andy Perry was the most consistent performer over 20 years um, he's Mr Ramsey isn't he he's, he's one yeah. of the yeah, and and you know, even in the in the end, he went to Geordie's and yeah. and won it all. And, but and there I, was a re there's a reason he went to Geordie's and won it because he was that good. Chris Bass went, "You're coming to my pool of talent. That is that is Saint George's, and you're going to win something with us." Yeah, and, and it's funny because I asked him because he won everything. I think he won everything at least twice actually. And I said, "What was your most uh, memorable?" And obviously, this is a loaded question, and. Uh, he goes, oh, the FA Cup with Ramsey. And what, not the Grand Slam with Geordie's? No, that FA Cup, because a bit like me, he felt like a bit of a fraud because he put all of his hard work into Ramsey. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this could go on forever, so I'm going to try and be a bit more. It's so all right, mate. I'll move um, it on if you get stuck and yeah. it goes on. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Gary, Gary Scott. So I don't know. Gary Scott didn't play that much senior football because... He came through at a difficult time when there was an abundance of Ramsey keepers. So there was like 
Chig, who's Nicholas Kenyuk, and um, Rob Webber, who's big hockey and, and uh, cricket guy. So he came in through that era. And then Andy Perry. So um, there was we had an abundance of keepers there. And he wasn't as committed to his football as he could have been. But I played at, at Island, junior island level with him. And I, I still believe he was like the best all-round keeper I played with. So... If I was to pick between the two, James Rice or Gary Scott, I... oh, let's go for James Rice because Ga- Ga- Gary should have stuck at it and trained more and broken into the team. So I like oh, people with stay in power. That's fine. That's fine. So we'll move on. Um, one of your defenders now, mate. I'm not going to pick defend. I'm just going to pick, is it current and pre- You can go current. Past. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, what, yeah. what we'll do is we'll do it in the way of we'll go current past, current past, current past. Oof. Can I split it up differently? Can go I go then. past then current? Yeah. So there's loads of people like I. I started this yesterday, and freaking hell, there's so many good players that I played with, and I kind of ignore players who, like, were a, fla- a flash in the pan. Maybe did two or three good seasons. So, like when I was coming through in the first team, it was like Tony Kelly and Robbie Christian. They really taught me the game and they looked after me really um and then uh chris higgins played mostly against not with i played with for a short amount of time and he was uh i remember i was given a man marking job we were we were due to get relegated from the first division and st mary's won the grand slam i can't remember what year it was they'd already won the league so they didn't need to win against us and the talk was they were going to let us win because they wanted to see Geordies go down. So I thought, oh, brilliant. They'll let us win. This will be easy, this. So I was given a man marking job, probably on, at my fittest when I was about 22, 23, on Chris Higgins. And I thought, right, this is, I'm going to really enjoy this. And uh, he was faster than me. He was better in the air. He was harder in the tackle. And even when, you know, when you've got nothing left in the locker, you think, right, I'm just going to hoof him up in the air. I wasn't quick enough to catch him. Yeah, like he'd it? already moved on or danced past he's got, he's got half a yard still on you, oh. even when you're blowing. And then even when I did catch him, the next time he would absolutely go through me. And he was definitely, definitely the best I played played against um, out, of, out of all the players. And then there's Chippy Cow and Michael at Laxey. So when I, I had that year at Laxey, the first stint, yeah. he was so good. He read the ball. He was good leader. He was strong in the tackle, good in the air, get up and down. He was great. And another player of that era was Ollie Theobald as well. And it was great playing in that combi because there was three players who were so quick to the tackle. Because not at Ramsey, when you're a, a an older player you try and look after the younger players yeah. uh so you'd put the tackle in first you'd you'd be there first but at laxi i'd sometimes be beaten to the tackle by chippy or ollie theobald and do you know it's like a chest puffing out moment where you thought jesus we can turn anyone over because yeah. i think we went unbeaten that year in the Conley league and ollie theobald i think was underrated actually as a footballer but then in the first team of that era was rob sorby Alan Harrison, who was, was a Ramsey player, Neil Brogan, Jim Travers. Um, no wonder I didn't break into the first I was going to say, there's some players there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's without, like, Gary, the Cal- uh, Johnny Callow, 
Yeah. Uh, the Thomas boys, the, these are these are great players. But like of the past, if I was to pick three, it would be Chris Higgins, Chippy Cowan, and Ollie Theobald. Perfect. Right. And who are your three players that are still involved today? Oof. So this was harder actually because <clears throat> there's so many. I, I watch more football than I ever used to because obviously I was playing. So you yeah. could only really judge people you were playing against. But I mean, there's loads of players that, who were kind of past but still present, like Sean Quay, Chris Bass, Johnny Myers, Frank Jones. I played with Sam Gelling when he was a junior at Laxey, and his work ethic and was second just, to he's got some, attitude. I've I've been lucky enough to coach Sam, and he's yeah. just got an engine on him, and he, he just you know he, he doesn't know when to stop. That's it. And if you asked him to run through a brick wall, I think he would. Yeah. Um. And and seeing him come on was interesting because I thought he was going to go down the boxing route for. A, well, for yeah, a while. He's, he he was very close to it, and I think he's still involved in it now. To be honest, as well. Yeah, and I've heard good things about Callum Sherry, but I haven't seen him firsthand. So, I mean, they're they're all present players. Some of them coming to the end of their days, but um, yep. they're all present players. But actually, watching FC Isle of Man operating at a higher level, watching Jamie Call, Mikey Williams, Steve Whitley, Fura Davies, Alex Maitland, I think of those, Alex Maitland has just been like knocking out steady performances throughout the whole. The whole period, you know, Steve Whitley's been injured, and for a Davies is just an awkward players player, but and Mikey Williams shift is is magnificent. Um, and, and Jamie Cole, a great organizer. I'm I'm just surprised that Jamie Cole isn't. Obviously, I'm probably biased. Uh, Jamie Cole isn't in the first pick because you know after Alex Maitland, I think I would pick Jamie Cole. So I don't know. Current, I'd go. I'd go Jamie Call, Mikey Williams, and Alex Maitland. I think to That's, pick out of all yeah, of those. So, some team that it's not very, it's not a very attacking team. I don't think. No, I don't. I don't well, I'm I think, a midfielder. I think, yeah, I think I think that's gonna, you know, that, that that's the old uh, part of the bus. Shall we? Shall we describe it as a little bit? No, we'll wear them down over the whole ninety, and we'll and the midfielders will score. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, just just play it long to Mike Williams at the end, yeah, and, and hope <laughs> yeah. for the best that his engine's yeah. still going. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll do that, right? So so that's your team. So you've got James Rice, Chris Higgins, yeah. Michael yeah. Cowan, Ollie yeah. Fearbold, yeah. Al Maitland, Mikey yeah. Williams, and Jamie Caller. Yeah. Who's managing them? Ooh. I've never had like um, um like every manager has had a flaw. And that, like obviously we're only amateurs and even professionals have flaws. Um so I always say that if I think I can do a better job, why don't I do it myself? So I'm going to appoint myself. There's, not, there's, there's nothing like a bit of big head in this, is there? Nothing like that, Jogger, no. You know, no, 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 no big head in this there at all. No, nothing, nothing like at all. But to be honest, I've never managed a senior team, so that I'd, I probably wouldn't even get the job to start with. So. Well, if, if, you, if you're only doing your own team, though, you can only employ yourself, can't you? True, what, can go, what can go worse? What can Jogger's go worse? gems. Is that what you call them, is it? Yeah, yeah joggers, yeah. gems. So yeah. what I'll do, mate, is we're, we're coming to the end now. We're very close to the end. I know you've got to go to training. You've got to get your son's session underway. So I won't hold you much longer. Um, but I have had a couple more questions in, okay? Um, and one of them is actually from your son himself. What? But yeah, see, I've got contact, mate. I can get in touch <laughs> with people. Don't worry. 
they, they get these questions for me. Um, and one of them was, is does the Wrexham documentary provide any ideas or motivation to you? Uh, yeah, it does actually. It does a lot, and and it's not what you would think. It was about you'd think, oh, it's about the football. It's actually not. It's about community. It's about creating the right culture, because as a chairman, you can't you can't you can't dictate the minutiae of what you're doing at training, but what you tr can try and dictate is the culture and putting the right people in the right places. So uh, that's what I analyze it uh, as um because i think there's a lot to be gained there like even at an amateur level oh it's massive massive football in the community is massive um i think the next question i've got here is from alex eight so you can imagine what this one's probably going to be like um and it's quite it's quite a nice one actually it's tame for him it says what is the best fancy dress for football you've ever done i love a fancy dress and uh I always try and have a female bias. No matter what the theme, I always try and have a female bias. Um, there's been a few, to be honest. Marilyn Monroe was was a good one. Um, bearded, a bearded lady stroke tightrope walker was another. Um, Jimmy Savile before it came out that he was a paedophile. Uh, that was like a couple, of, like because generally when we run out of themes for the year. Um, we say, well, pick who's died this year or what films have come out this year. So that particular year was Jimmy Sell. I even made my own gold uh, gold uh, coffin and I put it on wheels and wheeled it around town. So that was a good one. There's so many good ones. I've been Rapunzel. Uh, oh, there's loads. Yeah, just I, I, I get the impression that you, you do enjoy a bit of a fancy dress, mate. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> Well, I, I nicked, you know, you said like the social at Ramsey's good. Well, I kind of nicked one of our kind of events from the rugby club, Ramsey Rugby Club, actually, because they used to do Tour de North, which is you cycle to all the pubs around the north of the island. But all of the pubs have, or a lot of the pubs have closed now. So, oh my God, the lights have gone off here because uh, we've got movement sensors on them. So I'm sitting in the dark. But anyway, um, yeah, like the the social elements are, are, are oh, brilliant. I love them, love yeah. them. And and even now, do you know Anthony Cooper's been fantastic in in keeping that going. Um, well, getting it going again. I think it kind of fell flat for a few years. Um, and and Anthony Cooper is great at getting the boys, especially you know at the start of the season when we've got um, people who score their first goals or yeah. their first first team game, bit of an initiation, which is. You know, the rugby do boys do quite a bit like that, and um, uh, uh, the bo the boys absolutely love it, and and the socials, the socials, brilliant. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Anthony Cooper there because he's also sent me a couple of questions. <laughs> um, I I give it before you ask these. I give him a hard time because whether it be about selection or how we're playing or whatever, because I always want to be better or slagging off referees, but. It'll be interesting to see if it's about. Well, discipline. do you know what? We'll we'll go on that last one first because <laughs> slagging off referees. Okay, he said, "Would you ever consider refereeing on a weekly basis? Because during pre-season, you were brilliant at it." Uh, no, because I I did it years ago, so I am technically a qualified referee, and there was 
there was an incident down at, uh, in fact, I won't name the club, um, where it was an under-14s game. And the FA, in their infinite wisdom, gave me a Russian v. Ramsey game. So you're on a hiding to nothing from the start anyway. And Ramsey had a good setup back then. Uh, and uh, they were they were whooping them 7-0 at half-time. And uh, their manager was screaming at their back four saying, if, you, if you're not going to even bother, don't fucking bother coming back next week. I thought, I can't let that slide. They're under 14s, these boys. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm walking off at half-time and I have a quiet word on their manager. And he said, you fucking concentrate on your job and I'll concentrate on mine. I said, shouting at these boys like that they won't be coming back next week you fucking concentrate on yours and anyway seven of those goals were offside I said two of them were scored from the halfway line how the freak can they be offside when they were nowhere near the keeper influencing and and I just I just thought if people are so blind and biased towards like their own team I, I just struggled to kind of get out of bed to travel Oh, it's, on it's, a Sunday it's morning, the, I, and I was playing at the time as well. It's, um, it's one of the, I, I don't envy them at all. I've been, I've done it myself. Mate. I've, I've, I've done the refereeing course. I went out. I done, I done my six games. I done a few more, and then I got an injury. So I know I, that was refereeing. You know, combi and div two football. And my yeah. first experience was Paul Rose Foxdale at Pulley. So I had, I had the similar awakening to to refereeing. Mate. I know, I know how that feels. It's, it's one of them. I started refereeing because I was slagging them off every week. Well, that's um, why I, that's why I done it. Basically, they were yeah. like, "Stop slagging them off, come on a course." I was like, "Yeah, well, do I have to pay for this course? Because I'm not paying for something that I'm slagging <laughs> off." And like, I don't no, want no, to do. Yeah, yeah, it's one of these free ones. So I went down, done it, and I done it, and I done it um, for three quarters of a season. I got injured, and I just I I couldn't do it again. But yeah, yeah it's I don't I don't envy them. Um, I'll finish on. A last question from Anthony, and I think it's a brilliant question to end on as well from him. It says, what is one piece of advice you'd give to your younger footballing self? Oh, God, that's easy. Um, enjoy it more. I, I've got, it's a good and a bad trait, which is I always want to be better at something. So, like, it gets more and more serious. So you work harder. You, I did it with triathlon. I worked so hard. I actually put myself off it. When I when I was coming through the juniors and you break into the seniors, I loved playing football, but I, I think there was a few things happened. I got a bad injury when I was uh, 16, uh, ankle injury, uh, before we had two cup finals that year, and I missed them both. Um, and I think between that and... I got in the first ever island um, uh, California trip. Um, and back then, child's protection, that was talking about, you know, sexual advances. It wasn't talking about overplaying children. And I remember in the run-up to that, I played Hospital Cup, Junior Cup, Combi, first team, uh, Cowl Cup, um, Schools Team, Schools Island, um, and Ireland. And I think I played 14 games in 17 days. And That's no bad. one said, no one said you shouldn't really do that. 
or you should save yourself for the higher quality of game, whether that's the island or whatever. And surprise, surprise, I came back from um, California, uh, absolutely buzzing, you know, it was a life-changing experience. But um, came back straight into the next season, and by November I was injured, which is no surprise whatsoever. So I'd just say don't take it so seriously, but unfortunately it's a character trick. Not seriously, but... Like you always want more, maybe just enjoy it for for what it is. We we were amateurs at the end of the day, um, yeah. And, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier in the podcast, wasn't it? You know, safeguarding and stuff. There's a lot more to it, and that overplaying of of young players and thing is is probably a bit that could be scaring younger lads from going into senior football as well. Um, well, I think they've that's... got bigger problems than we had because one, they train more often, and two, they train on astros that are like concrete with with a carpet on it. Yeah. That's one of our biggest issues anywhere outside of the east, really, because those astros are dangerous. And you know, we're training on it twice a week, and we're trying we're trying at Ramsey to save up the money to get our own training facility because waiting for the government to do it. Well, I, well, I'll be dead before that happens. So. Um, and they even trying to get there's a there's a field that we used to train on called the Lickney field behind Ray Motors that is not being used at all at the moment. It used to be used by Albert Road School. Trying to get that in order and in use is oh my god! I'm on I'm on month seventeen, seventeen what? months trying to use a pitch that well grass that isn't even being used for anything, so that kids can train on it and. And whatever, so like, I think it's just hurdles like, thrown in front of you. Is it it just... is, and and that's another role that I've just made up for myself at our club, which because we've now got under sixteens and an under eighteens team for the first time in the number of about eight years, I think, uh, and the senior team. And some of these players are playing sixteens, eighteens, um, and senior football. And I've made up the role myself to say to the managers, well. He's training Tuesday and Thursday for the seniors. He's playing Wednesday for the under-18s. And he might be playing uh, Saturday for the adults and an under-16s game on Sunday. And he's got Ireland. So (coughs) you, amongst yourselves, have got to decide what's the most important competition, whether it's relevant for him to train for those competitions, knowing what he's doing, because he will end up injured. Yeah. Because that's what no one did for me. Yeah, and you're 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 learning from your experiences, oh, my mistakes, and passing yeah. it, and passing well, it on. So you know what it's like. Doesn't... If if there's games to play, you will play them, won't yeah. you? We all want to play football, but no one said you will pay for this in the long run. Run uh, in terms of uh, injuries, and more to the point, losing the love of the game because it was just another game. Yeah. It was just another game. I didn't care whether I won or lost. It was just another game. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's. I think, as you said, you've covered all bases there, and and you're learning from that. So it's good. It's good, and it's thing. It's been a great chat with you, Jogger. This has been a, a fantastic talk, mate. And you know, I hope people that do listen to this get to understand you as a person, and Rams as a club, <laughs> as well, and and what you've done there. You know, not just through your playing days, but now in your role upstairs as chairman and what you're trying to do going forward there. Obviously, you're trying to get areas to train. You're trying to develop it. You're trying to bring the club 
into its own and, and not rely on others where you're training and things like that. It's it's exactly. fantastic, mate. So yeah. seriously, I know you've got to go. You've got training soon. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time this evening. You know, thank you for for everything that you're doing for Ramsey as well. It's 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 been really good. And Dino, just before up. you go, there's one other thing. Like, yeah. Um. And and fingers crossed this ha this happens. But like like um we have very kindly been given approval in principle by the Manx Lottery Trust for disabled access to Balaclone. Oh, so right, that's you, great. You, you know Balaclone, it's hundreds of stairs. There's no chance anyone with any disability. Oh, no, no, especially them stairs, that, you know, it's like climbing Everest. So, um, you know, that could be a game changer for a couple of our fans who unfortunately can't use our facilities, whether that be going up and having a cup at halftime when they're watching uh, the first team of the combi or... Or um or even nipping to the loo, but um fingers crossed that comes off. But these things move glacially, so maybe in the next year or so we'll 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 have disabled access. That's that's brilliant, isn't it? And going forward for the club, especially with a club like Ramsey that do have um you've got a big range of followers, but you do have quite an older following as well. You know, there's quite a lot of older people that come down and and people yeah. that would really benefit from that, but. As well as them benefiting from that, it's it goes back to that community thing, doesn't it? You know, yeah. If you can involve them a little bit more and make them feel just that little bit more involved, even if it's for an hour on a Saturday afternoon, they take that home with them, and that's with them for the week. And and you know that could be the best outing for them of the week, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you never know, like if the island can't play at any of the other pitches, if we've got disabled access, hopefully they'll they'll be able to play well, our, our, it's, I know it's those, been there before hasn't it, it, it yeah the Allen yeah, have played there before the but... packet yeah tournaments and um and and when and even when you know when St Mary's get to finals and they they, they can't play it at the bowl because it would be unfair uh yeah. so it all helps yeah yeah definitely and it's it, you know what it, it sounds fantastic mate and as I say what you've done there for the club and what you're doing going forward it's you've got a clear plan and the ambition is there. Hopefully, the the hurdles that the commissioners and the government are putting in your way collapse at some point, and you can get there just to make that club as much as what you can do. Well, Ram Ramsey commissioners have been great, actually. They've been working so hard to, to try and get this sorted. It's actually been at government level, <laughs> because commissioners don't own that land, so they've just been trying to exert influence, but it was about a month ago we got an email from the government so that only took 17 months so it's a start and hopefully we can get more training facilities because the two limiting factors for football in the north is training facilities and coaches and if you don't have training facilities you don't need coaches <laughs> and if you open up with them training facilities i know this is probably a, a wider question if you do get that training facilities in the future, would you be open? You know, we talked about the Northern Merry-Go-Round. Would you be open to to sharing them with the other clubs up north and, uh, and opening it up to them? I would be. Um, so there's there's two elements to that. There's the Lickney Field, which is publicly public land owned by the government, and that would just be it would be a short term fix, really, because uh, I think in in five years' time they're going to use it for flood alleviation or something like that. So it'll be on. If we ever get there, it'll it'll be it'll be just a temporary fix, hopefully, whilst we get some training facilities. But in the perfect world, we would have at least two pitches on that training facility. Um and if you see 
wanted to rent it for training. Um, I don't see why not, um, because I know UT have got their own problems with, you know, slagging off the government again. They they were promised a clubhouse that they never got at UT, and they they generally don't feel welcome there. Even though they've got changing rooms in in the school, they just don't feel welcome there. Um, and and who's to say, you know, if we joined forces with Uthi, we'd be like a super force. It'll never happen, but it, it, uh, imagine that because you know, before Air won the league uh, two years ago, um, the last time a Northern club won the top division was seventy years before, and that was Ramsey in nineteen fifty two. So you there must be there's too many teams in the north to service and um uh, a team in the north not winning it for 70 years that must tell you something oh yeah yeah it's so not it's not for the want of bad players no no it's it's but there is there's definitely something there that says for 70 years a trophy didn't go up well not a trophy a, a league trophy didn't go the up league, there yeah yeah the, the the big league i know i know UC had that year um, Covid year wasn't it, and they actually got the trophy, or or they got the league. They've been told they won the league, uh, and then they got the trophy two. taken off them. Yeah, can't be too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But again, it's a trophy, isn't it? Up north, it's a league trophy that that they've yeah. got. To, but it was the league that never was. But that's a story for another day. We won't go into that one. Yeah. And, uh, Not that you're bitter or anything. No, 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 no. That's 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 just another story for another day. Um, <laughs> Um, and that's not to do with you, Fee. That was from a time at St. Mary's. But as I say, Jogger, thank you very much for your time this evening, yeah. mate. It's been fantastic. It's been, it's, it's been a great insight. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few people listening to this from up north. I know the boys will all have it on. It's going out on Saturday morning. So cheers for your time, mate. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks Good. very much. Cheers. Good to speak to you. Cheers.